Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, this is awesome. Looking out here at the 9 o'clock service, I'm always in the 11 o'clock service. So it's good to see you guys. Uh, if I'm here, um, as Pastor mentioned, we this is our home church, but I'm a full-time evangelist. So if you see me, it's good in that respect. It's not good that I'm not out traveling and speaking. So uh, sometimes I don't get to be here very much, but it's because I'm out speaking someplace else. And so it is truly a privilege to be here today and this weekend. Thank you, Pastor, so much for this opportunity. And I'm telling you, I know some of you I talked to this morning weren't able to be here at Friday night or Saturday night, but you uh, listened on Facebook Live and uh, we just we just had an incredible weekend, as Pastor just mentioned. And God is just building upon the foundation of Friday night. Then Saturday night was just at another level last night. And now we are believing with anticipation that this morning is just going to go to another level. How many are in agreement with that this morning? Amen. We are with great anticipation. And uh, so we, uh, we just want to challenge you to open up your heart. You know what? You are looking so good and you're my home church. I'm just going to do something right now. I'm going to take a picture of you. Can some of you just put your best smile on right now? And, and, uh, we're, we're just going to, we're going to take a picture of everybody in here. If I can, uh, get back here far enough, I do not do this normally. So, uh, y'all just bear with me, but, uh, everybody say cheese. Oh, that was lame. <laughs> Everybody say amen. amen. All right. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. We're getting there. We're getting there. Amen. I hope uh, that you had a great weekend and that you have an anticipation of what God wants to do here today. As uh, pastor mentioned, um, we are consistently going around the, the globe. Uh, as I mentioned last night, uh, next weekend I'll be in Paris, Paris, Texas. Um, <laughs> Uh, speaking the next week I'll be in Council Bluffs Iowa then the next week I'll be in Ukraine and then the next week I'll be in uh, Littlestown Pennsylvania so that's the next four weeks and so uh, it is uh, so important to Heather and I to know that we have people here back at home praying for us uh, we have made prayer cards available out on the uh, information area there so when you're going out today, would you just grab one of those and put that someplace that you can remember to pray for Heather and I as we go into some very dangerous areas. Uh, Ukraine, where I will be in just a few weeks, um, is a country next to Russia that Russia has invaded the Crimea area of Ukraine. Uh, a lot of tension there as well as uh, in the government there, but also uh, if you remember a couple of years ago, a airliner just flying over Ukraine was shot down. Over 200 people died because a missile took out a regular commercial aircraft going over Ukraine. So um, if nothing else, just pray for my wife while I'm gone to these places. Uh, but it is uh, a privilege to represent this church all over the world and something happened this morning that could only truly happen going to church in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Uh, my wonderful mother-in-law, Pam, she's upstairs ministering to the kids. Um, she picked me up because Heather here for worship practice early. And 
we are driving to church this morning, and this is the reason we had to stop, because a Amish guy driving his buggy, the horse decided it's time to do his business <laughs> on a main road. And so there is a backup behind him because he gets out of his buggy as the horse starts pooping all over the road. And then there's a Amish guy, a young guy in his own little open buggy right behind him. And he is laughing as hard as I could. And I'm, I'm just standing there, sitting there in amazement, only in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Would you see that going to church on a Sunday morning? It was just awesome. And I, I asked Pam, I said, you know, you being from here, do you know, do, the, do they treat this like if somebody was walking their dog? I mean, do they have a pooper scooper too for the, the horse? I mean, we're talking it's a lot bigger than a dog. And I mean, there was a lot of it. I mean, uh, so I don't know, you know, I mean, is he going to just take a shovel and get it off the road or something? But anyway, it's great to be here this morning. And uh, I, I know God is going to do some special things, but pray for us. Check us out. Check out our website, Facebook, uh, the soccer salvation camps that we're doing around the world. We count on people supporting this monthly by finances and prayers. It's the only way we can do what we do. And so thank you from the bottom of our heart. I want you to stand, if you would, for the reading of God's word and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. This is uh, the week of this series that Pastor Aaron and Chris, Pastor Chris, have been taking us through. And this one today is on an atmosphere of faith. And, and man, Connie, God knew that he was one to do an illustrated message today. Amen. Amen. I had no idea. Come on, God puts things together. That's that, that reserves. Come on, a better applause than that. Come on. I mean, wow. God put together an illustrated message. Had no idea this was taking place. Had no idea that she was going to get up here and share the results this morning. And uh, you just laid a foundation right there for God just to do anything and everything. We know now all things are possible in Christ. And there is an atmosphere of faith here this morning. Uh, no doubt. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And I, uh, there is a whole chapter on basically the author going through much of the Bible on different people that had faith, they had taken a step of faith. But I want to focus in on verse 8 is where I'm going to begin reading of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. That is so key, people, that we understand that a lot of times the step of faith God has, he won't show you your final destination. And the reason is you couldn't handle it yet. Sometimes you wouldn't go if you knew where you were headed. We've got to trust God. We have to have faith. And so it says, by faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. 
Isn't that an incredible demonstration and a true definition of what an atmosphere of faith in our lives should look like. Father, I pray for these next few moments that you would take control of this moment in our lives. We are praising you, God, because of this incredible miracle that you showed that you can heal even cancer that is spread in bones throughout the body, that there is nothing that can hinder your healing power. So, God, I pray upon that foundation and the foundation of Scripture and this incredible atmosphere of faith here today that people would experience the supernatural and the miraculous before they leave this room. Father, I'm asking that in these next moments and in a few moments when we are given a chance to take a step of faith and step into an altar, stepping into that place and that destiny that you have for us, that we will see the supernatural. God, I am believing that we will know that when we came to the house of God with an expectation of faith, that you will honor that this morning and you would respond individually in every life that is here today. Father, I pray that you would bless this time, that this would be a special time that we are drawing closer to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, when, when you look at what God is wanting to communicate about faith and an atmosphere of faith, it's going to require in each of our lives a willingness to trust God, to take a step. What we just talked about and what we just read there was Abraham was told, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to go and you're going to possess a land that God is going to set up so he can establish the historical perspective of the children of Israel. And so we have to understand that this was, we have the benefit of having the whole Bible, but uh, Abraham was living it. And I think sometimes we get caught up in living life that we forget that our living perspective should be about what God wants to do through us rather than what we can do for us. See, this is what God wants to say to everyone in this room. There is so many of us sitting in the church today that think it's an option whether we're going to trust God and step into a realm of faith living. But the reality is there is people in your future that are counting on you, not wasting your life on self, but rather stepping out in faith. You see, it's not an option. Do you remember the parable about the master that left three of his servants different amount of money? And the only one that would lose everything was the only one that took no faith. Just put the whole thing in the ground and said, I don't want to risk losing my master's money. So he did nothing. Let me tell you, that was a huge sign to each one of us that God stands in front of each one of us today, no matter where you are in a relationship with God. And he says to us, it is not an option whether you're going to go to your place of destiny. 
Now, you, you look at this incredible situation, uh, and, and I, I want you to notice the next scripture that we were reading, and we stopped, and it says, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past the age, old age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and as he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Now, Abraham and Sarah were both past the point of normal years. And if you look at the account back in Genesis, it's found in Genesis chapter 18. And in verse 11, it says, Abraham and Sarah were already old. How many can say amen to feeling like that this morning? <laughs> I have my hand raised. I just had my fourth back surgery a few weeks ago. I feel qualified for the already old. And then it's insult to injury. You know, the Bible's very thorough, if nothing else. And well advanced in years. In other words, really old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? My wife and I, have been on a 10-year journey to have a child. You see, many years before that, I went through cancer. And the kind of cancer that I went through has to do with affecting the chances of me ever being a father again. Not only the kind of cancer, not only the organ that they had to remove, but then the kind of surgery and the kind of treatment. And I was told back then that this will be the reality. You probably will never have any more children. When Heather and I got married, one of the most difficult things to tell your fiance or future wife I just have to let you know up front that I have this kind of cancer experience and we may not be able to have our own children. She wasn't worried about that. She knew this was God's plan for us to be together. But then God would begin to do some things inside of us and begin to stir our hearts to, because there was a prophecy. There's been more than one prophecy my wife and I were talking about one of them last night. There was a lady that came up to us at a service. I believe it was down in Houston, Texas. And she came up and she said this to us when, when we weren't really talking about it to anyone. Nobody really knew what was going on. And she says, there is a baby boy in your future. And when this boy comes, it will be a season of rest for you. Well, you can get excited when you hear those kinds of prophecies. 
But then when you see your wife get pregnant and then lose our first baby to a miscarriage, you can immediately begin to see that there is a door for doubt and fear to start coming in. I held on to our faith, held on to the prophecy. And then my wife would get pregnant again. And once again, we would have another miscarriage. In fact, she would get pregnant five times and five for five, we lost all of them. Um, I've often said, God, I kind of identify with Sarah. I mean, God, I am past childbirthing years. I'm old. For those that do not know how old I am, I just turned 49. I am one year away from the big five zero, and that scares me to death because we know we're going to have a child that's not here yet. And I can completely understand with Sarah's sentiment right here. She's like, oh, yeah, when I'm old, when I have no strength to raise a little boy, you wait until I'm like 90 and Abraham's 100. Oh, yeah, great, God. Way to fulfill the promise then. I've always told my, my friends and my family, yep, I'm going to be the dad that sitting at his boy's, uh, you know, game, whatever sports he's doing. And I'm going to be the one sitting in the stands that all of his friends are going to say, oh, is that your granddad? <laughs> no, it's my dad. Nice. Sorry about that, bro. <laughs> Hang in there. You know, he may fed you out of the bottle and out of pureed food, you'll get to return the favor. <laughs> he changed your diaper, so now you get to change his. You see, we've went through so many situations that want to challenge this, that, that want to say there is no way and we've walked through this process of being open to uh, uh, trying to adopt. I mean, this is what we do. We work with children all over the world. We've actually literally had a mom one time walk up to us. She had like eight or nine kids. And right in front of her son that was, uh, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years old, well able to understand. She walks up to us and offers us her son. To be our son, just take him away and take him back to the U.S. There, there are a lot of situations I've told people, I said, there is a lot of thousand babies that we would have brought back in our suitcase if we could have from these countries around the world. And it seems like every door keeps being closed. Through the miscarriages, through, uh, you know, we, we wanted to adopt in internationally and we pursued that. And, and we had uh, direct connections to the government of Honduras and, and a, a lawyer there working. And, and then that was shut down. Then we're going to try and, and, and go through a regular adoption. And then that's shut down. But you know what the process we're going through right now is? 
trying to feel like that God is going to have us foster to adopt. And even though we've had nothing but disappointments over the years about ever having a child, 10 years of trying to have one child, my wife and I did something this week out of a step of faith. She ordered a crib and we put that crib together. And some of you saw a video that was posted this week that has over 4,000 views by now of my wife crying because she got crib sheets in the mail this week. And she laid those out and that emotion begins to come out. And I think what God wants you to know is there is going to be times in your lives that it doesn't make sense and it's nothing easy about the situation and you want to believe, but the situation says it's not going to happen. But the reality is, is that God is wanting to create inside of you an atmosphere of faith so that you're not caught up in what you don't see, but you get caught up in what God sees and what God sees is a child. What God sees is a company. What God sees is a ministry. What God sees as a marriage restored. What God sees is cancer that is healed. What he needs is he needs us to understand it's not an option whether I'm going to wake up today and have a step of faith to believe that God is bigger than my situation. God is bigger than my trouble. I mean, this is, this is amazing that Abraham and Sarah were offered this incredible chance to have a child that was supposed to be the fulfillment of the promise to, to be the father of many nations. And yet, what does God do one day? He says, okay, Abraham, let's find out how much faith you have. I need you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I need you to take him on a three-day journey, and I need you to sacrifice him. I need you to sacrifice your son that is the fulfillment of the prophecy. It's the boy that you had to wait all these years. And now I need you to trust me and I need you to sacrifice him. Well, it was demonstrated this morning out of a, a PET scan. It's a proof of a miracle. Many of you know my daughter, Taylor, was born with a rare incurable disease. The day she was born, she was born with so many tumors on her brain and her heart that they can't count them all and there's no cure. Her life, her entire life has been spent dealing with a disease that man cannot cure. And I remember God speaking something to me that it makes sense in the realm of God's perspective, but the father living through this, a little difficult. And that was that one day my daughter is going to be healed. She's going to be healed of tuberous sclerosis. She's going to be healed of multiple tumors in her body, in the organs of her body. She's going to be healed of all of the side effects, all of the things that come along with this disease. And God says, as a sign of what I'm going to do, is that I'm going to heal Taylor, and then she's going to then be able to start traveling with her dad and go around the world, and I will get up and start talking about 
about a little girl that was born with a rare incurable disease and tumors throughout her brain and her heart and other organs of her body and the doctors couldn't heal her and the doctors had no options but then uh, then Taylor's going to walk out on that stage and she's going to finish out the testimony as living proof of what God does when we give him an atmosphere of faith to do something that is so supernatural and you know what it scares me to death every time I say that because what if it doesn't what if it doesn't do you know what I was told the very first Sunday after Taylor was diagnosed I got up and I was preaching at a church in Kilgore Texas we had just found out on Thursday you know what I got up and I preached on that Sunday morning I preached on healing And you know what I told those people? I said, if my daughter was to die tomorrow, you know what my very next service would be? You know what the topic of the message of the very next service would be? Over my daughter, if she had just died, I would get up and I'd preach on healing. Because healing is not based upon my circumstance. It's based upon that God put that into the elements of our faith. That he does heal, he will heal, he has healed, and he will always heal. You know what God told me to do? He said, I want you to keep every brain scan that they do of her brain. There is a stack of MRI, CAT scan, brain scans of my daughter's brain. And it's the kind of, you know, that, that x-ray plastic material that her, her name is like imprinted on there. Her birthday is imprinted on there as proof that this is Taylor's brain scan. And it is the worst picture that I could ever possibly see. It is the ugliest thing that I've ever seen. My daughter's brain filled with tumors. You can point them out. It's very easy to see. Keep them. God, why would I want to keep these? Keep them. God, this is horrible. Why would I keep a stack of these? Why would I pay extra so I can have a copy at home to remind me what we already know? He said, because one day they're going to be proof of a miracle that I did in her life. And I want you to be able to show every person, even if it's a medical professional that knows better, that this is not possible because that is going to be the proof that God does the impossible. Abraham, take Isaac. Take him up and sacrifice him. You know what the Bible says that um, Abraham did? It's a three-day journey. I mean, everybody could understand that the next day after you've been told to go on a three-day journey to sacrifice your son, you would be justified and saying, I need some time to prepare. I got to get the RV out, got to get it cleaned up, got to get it gassed up, got to go to the Costco and get groceries. You know, I got to get the propane tanks filled. I got to get it, you know, I got to get it out of, uh, you know, out of the blocks that it sits on. I got to air up the tires. I, I, I just, I got to get the, the pickup ready to pull it. I, I got some things to do. But you know what Abraham did? It says early the next morning he started. Early the next morning. Do you know what? The longer you don't take a step of faith, the longer you will put off the miracle that God has for you. 
Faithfulness starts with faith. So many of us have a problem with God sometimes, and we look at him. Let me tell you, he's faithful. We may not think he's faithful, but he's faithful. He cannot not be faithful. But his faithfulness consistently throughout scripture starts the word. Look at it. Faithfulness. It starts with faith. Faith is not something God needs to do. It's something we need to do. And he took Isaac off. The greatest offering that God would require anyone to ever give, God required of Abraham. I want you to give your only son right now upon, I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to, to kill him with a knife and then burn him. And every justifiable thing inside of him could have said, God, you have lost it. This is the fulfillment of the prophecies, the gift that you gave me. And now you want me to lay him up on an altar and kill him. But the reality is, is Abraham understood something that if you and I could grab a hold of, there would be unlimited potential and possibility in this room of what God could do in our lives and through this church. One of the more difficult things that we have to understand is that when we look at the circumstance, it will never line up. It will never make sense. I, uh, I remember when God told me I needed to go to Bible school to start my journey for ministry and uh, I, I, I didn't have the money to go off to Bible college. I, I, I didn't have, I didn't have parents that could afford to pay for my college and I didn't know how I was going to do it. And all I know is in January of 1989, in the middle of my sophomore year, I would leave Weatherford, Oklahoma for Waxahachie, Texas, in a car that was an absolute beast dive. It was a piece of junk. It was so bad, it took me stopping every hour to put another gallon of oil in the car to get down to the Dallas area. And that car was a car that should have never been driven anywhere. And yet God would have me get in that piece of junk car and start driving off to my destiny to have faith that once I get there, that God's gonna take care of the details. And I had no idea how it was all going to work. I had no idea how I was going to be able to pay for the next uh, three and a half years, around $25,000 in, in college tuition. I had no idea how I was going to be able to eat and afford the things that I needed, but I knew that I had to take a step of faith. And if I hadn't been willing to do that, I would not be standing here today. You see, the reality is, is God has a plan and all he needs you to do is give him one chance. Just give him one chance to say, God, I'm all in. I'm going to trust you just like Abraham did. There, there, was, there was an atmosphere of faith with Abraham and Sarah, and there's got to be an atmosphere of faith for you and I. You see, when I got to Bible college and I uh, started looking for a job, um, I had to work. It's the only way I was going to get through it. And 
I got a job at an insurance company in Waxahachie, Texas. And because I was willing to take a step of faith and launch off into something that I had no clue of how it was going to work out. God honored me with that job. Now that job was not going to be a well-paying job. It was just a file clerk at a insurance company. But what God would do, he would take my boss that was over our department, the vice president. And out of all the guys that were going to Baba college that he would hire, God would use that man to become like a second father to me. And for the next three and a half years, that man would pay every school bill that I had over $23,000. He would give me a new car. It wasn't a brand new car, but it was a new car. He would buy my clothes that I would need over those next three years. He would buy me plane tickets to go on mission trips. He would provide me with a place to stay during the summer in between semesters. And this incredible provision took place only because I was willing to take a step of faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you to get me to where I'm headed. And so God is saying to each one of us, if we will give God a chance to do something, he will show us the things that Abraham got to see on a mountain that day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Abraham laying Isaac and holding the knife up? You know what God showed me? Listen to this, church. You got to get this. It was at that precise time because Abraham did not make excuses, but he had faith. It was at that point. Because he jumped, he jumped, got up early the next morning after God told me to do this and started on this three-day journey. And so at the precise time that he was getting ready to kill his son Isaac as, as, a, as a sacrifice that God told him to, it was exactly at that point that God said, stop, look, there's a ram in the thicket. That's the sacrifice. I just needed to see if you would trust me. But do you realize what delayed obedience can mean if he would have delayed obedience we all heard it delayed obedience turns into disobedience but you have to understand there is repercussions there are there are results of people not taking the step of faith that God is speaking to you do you know what if Abraham because he tried to delay tried tried to put it off that when he finally would have gotten there, the ram wouldn't have been in the thicket because he would have missed his opportunity. You know what that says to me? My wife told me to say this today because it scares us to death that we have a nursery. We have a crib. She has went out and got all these decorations and, 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 and sheets and, and, and all these cute things and making a nursery without any child in the picture. It's scary. It's scary to think that me standing on a 
street corner in Nehemiah Niger where God would speak to me and birth in me this whole vision for soccer salvation camps. It, it, it cringes inside of me to think, what if I wouldn't have taken that step of faith to step and launch a ministry that I have nothing, that, no connection, I have no idea, don't know how to play soccer, don't know the rules of soccer. But God says, wherever you go, it's the most popular sport in all the world. What if I would have never taken that step of faith and then I start seeing the children, the thousands of children around the world that I've been able to lead to Jesus Christ, the thousands of children that we've been able to feed and, and be able to put a Bible in their hand and in their home. And today that word is alive and powerful. I think of the thousands of families that would have never been reached with the gospel if this little boy from Western Oklahoma that has no idea how to play soccer just said, okay, God, you want me to take a step of faith? I'll start this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm doing it. I don't even know where I'm headed. I just know I need to love kids. I need to give them a soccer ball. I need to give them a Bible. I need to give them a medal and a trophy. I need to give them a lot of food, but more than anything, I need to give them the greatest gift of all, and that's the gift of Jesus Christ. You see, it's not an option for me, and it's not an option for you, because your marriage is dependent upon it. Your ministry is dependent upon it. Your future is dependent upon it. Your children are dependent upon you taking the step of faith and trusting God. Are we willing to say to God, here I am. Here's where I'm at, and here's what I'm facing. Um, I want to leave you with something because I think that this is so important that you understand. This morning, I was going over my notes to prepare for this morning. And I don't know, maybe it didn't make it in my Bible this morning because I was reading it. There's a piece of paper that I've been using as a bookmark in my Bible for quite some time. Just a little, oh, here it is. It's on a comfort in little pad. You know, in every hotel, there's a little pad and pen that you can write notes. This poor thing has been through it. But a comfort in little writing pad that I wrote some notes on. You know what? I hadn't read it in a long time. Didn't even know what it was, was on there. Just a bookmark. But God brought my attention to it this morning as I was preparing for this message this morning, Pastor. And this is what it shows. I just looked down and happened to focus on it. Seed offering. How much you plant is determined by do you want to just feed your family? To just have enough? Or do you want to plant to feed others? How much is your faith? You want to have faith just for yourself? Can you imagine if all farmers 
approached farming like that. I just need to plan enough for my family. We would be hungry. We would starve. What if all ranchers decided, oh, I just need enough cattle to feed my family? Or are we willing to say, God, it's time. It's time that if the Bible was still being written today, that God would have enough to write about your faith that he could continue to write another chapter. What if God was depending upon you? What would the story look like? Could he add to Hebrews chapter 11 with a story about you? Because God is desperately wanting to say to each one of us in this room, it's time. It's time that we start planting enough to not just feed ourselves, but to feed others. One of these days, my wife and I are going to walk into this room and walk up on this stage. Pastor, day are going to come up and we're going to dedicate a little boy. And when that day happens, you're going to see a fulfillment of an atmosphere of faith that has taken over 10 years now. But there is a crib in an upstairs room in our house right now. That's empty. And the reason I say that is there's somebody's crib that's empty. And you know what they're waiting on? You. What's your step of faith? What is God saying to you? What does God want to do through you? I want everybody to stand with me, if you would, please. If we create an atmosphere with our prayer, worship, and conversation, then God is able to create in us the supernatural, the miraculous. Father, I God, I ask right now that um, you would stir every heart in this room. God, we cannot reach the lost. We cannot reach our community. We don't have faith. And God, when we when we stop laughing like Sarah and Abraham did at the thought that they could be pregnant, and we start getting on board with the fact that God's got something so amazing, so supernatural. 
God, that's when you get to do what you want to do. God, there's somebody that's, that's hurting here this morning. You're devastated. You're struggling. You're, you're facing the, the, the challenges of life. You, you don't know what you're going to do. You're overwhelmed with life. You're struggling in your finances. You're struggling with your relationship with God. There's struggle in your marriage. There's struggle with your children. And you're at that place and maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're angry with God. Maybe you're angry with people around you. God understands that. And what he wants you to understand this morning is that all he needs to unleash the healing, the restoration, all he needs to heal your hurt, your pain, all he needs to do to take away all those questions in your life is be willing to take a step of faith. Trust him. Say, God, today is the day that's going to turn the rest of my world around, my future, my family, my destiny. Today is that day.